we've been looking at a series called This Changes Everything. And uh, this Easter time, it really did change everything, Greg. Everything changed. And uh, last week we talked a little bit about resurrection encounters. Today I want to continue talking about the events that surrounded the, not just the crucifixion, but after the resurrection. In Luke chapter uh, 24, we're not going to go there yet, but in Luke 24 it tells a story of a couple of disciples. Now this is the day of the resurrection, okay? This is the day of the resurrection of Jesus. These two disciples, they leave the house. They, they heard what Mary said, that he had risen. They saw what uh, uh, Peter and John, they heard what Peter and John said, said, hey, he's not in there. We went, we checked it out. And I guess they're a little bit like Thomas. They just take off and go on a walk. <laughs> and, and, and they're just downtrodden and they're, they're, they're worried. They don't know what's going on. They, they were there for the crucifixion. They saw him get buried. They heard what Mary said. They heard what Peter and John said. But where's his body? Nobody knows yet. And, and before they find out all the news, they take off on a walk. And they're walking and they're talking about the events that they've experienced over the last couple days. <laughs> and I, the word says that all of a sudden Jesus appeared to them and they didn't know who he was. They were walking on the road to Emmaus, and he appeared to them. And I, I think it's the Passion Translation. I love what the, it says. It says, why are y'all acting so down? Jesus said, what's wrong with you guys? Why are you acting so down? What's going on with you? And they said, man, are you the only one in Jerusalem that don't know what's going on? He said, and they started telling him the story of the crucifixion, and they started telling him the story uh, of what Mary said and all this. And they said, he was, we hoped he had been the Messiah. And he said, well, I'm going to leave. And they asked him, he said, just stay with us. It's almost dark. Hang out with us a little longer. And so he went to an, what assumes to be an inn with them. And he begins to bless their food. And he stands up and he takes the bread that they're going to eat and he blesses it. And all of a sudden their eyes are open and they recognize it's Jesus. And as soon as they recognize it's Jesus, poof, gone. He just, boof, leaves the room, just poof, out. Man, I tell you what, that's a resurrection story. But what I want to look at is their response to what happened. Go to, if you will, Luke 24. Go to verse 31. In verse 31, he says, And all at once their eyes were open, and they realized it was Jesus. Then suddenly in a flash, Jesus vanished before their eyes. Now look at verse 32. Stunned, they looked at each other and said, Why didn't we recognize him? Didn't our hearts burn with the flames of holy passion while he walked, while we walked beside him? He unveiled for us such a profound revelation from the scripture. And I love, King James Version says, didn't our hearts burn within us? But I love how the passion puts it there. It said, didn't our hearts burn with a holy passion? 
Man, what is going on that we live as a body of Christ believers that have experienced (sighs) resurrection, that has experienced resurrection, why aren't our hearts still burning within us? You see, they wanted to talk about how bad it was. They wanted to talk about how lost they were. They wanted to talk, oh, where, oh, where has our Savior gone? Jesus says, what's wrong with you guys? All of this had to happen. And they said, all of a sudden, when they realized it was here, they said, we should have recognized this burning passion that's on the inside. You see, when you experience this type of resurrection, there's a passion that should come from somewhere down inside. He said it's like, they said it was a fire. And this isn't the only time that God's presence is likened to a fire. Go to Jeremiah 20. Jeremiah 20, verse 9. He says, I want to keep quiet. I don't want to talk about you. You ever felt that way? I want to keep quiet. I don't want to talk about you. I tried to do that. I said that I would not speak on your behalf, but your words burned like a fire inside of me. King James says it was like a fire shut up in my bones. You see, there's a thing when you know that you're walking with a living Savior, that there is a burning, there is a passion, there is something that happens on the inside that should cause us to be different than what we've ever been. Oh, glory. They did not give me any rest, and I'm too tired to hold them in. I cannot do it. He said, look, I can't rest if I don't talk about you. If there's a, Man, what's wrong with us? We talk about everything else. We talk about everything that's going wrong in the world. Uh, let's face it, we're Americans. We talk about everything that's wrong with America. Oh, that got real quiet. We forget there's a world. I'll try over here. We talk about everything else that's wrong, everything else that's bad, and that's what those disciples were doing on the road. They were talking about how they saw him crucified, they saw him buried, now somebody's jumped up, somebody's taken his body, and blah, blah, wine, 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 wine. Sounds a lot like me. Sounds a lot like us. And all the time, the Savior is walking beside of us. All the time, the very source of the fire. See, you all thought you were joking. Carrie and Amy were joking this morning as we got ready for praise and worship practice, talking about the fire and us carrying the fire. And us, no, you didn't see what you're doing. You're prophesying what I was getting ready to minister to you today. We get so carried up and so disgusted with what's going on around us that we forget the Savior burns with holy fire, walks beside us, and is taking us to where he has always planned for us to be. He's taking us where he plans for us to be. Well, you know, that's just not, I just don't believe God's in this then you serve a little God, my friend. Because the Word tells me my God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. And it doesn't matter who tries to keep him out. 
It doesn't matter who says you can't speak anymore in his name. You can't get away from him. David said, I went to the highest mountain and you were there. I went to the pit of hell. You were there. Where can I go to get away from this God? <laughs> Just for a few minutes, I want to talk about burning hearts. Didn't our hearts burn with holy passion? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. That means he should consume you. He should be your waking thought. <laughs> he should be your sleeping dream. He should be your quiet time. And he should be the noise that you can't drown out. He is a consume. He should consume everything and everything about us. But the problem is we will get passion for everything but him. We want to be passionate about this and passionate about that. And we burn with big giant passion for lots of things. If me and Jeff go to a football game, there'll be passion. Why are we passionate about everything but the one who rose? What is passion? Passion is an intense, overpowering emotion. Passion is an intense, overpowering emotion. It is intense enthusiasm. Passion is an intense enthusiasm. Go, if you will, to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Let's look, talking about burning hearts. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. I'm reading out of the Amplified Classic. I like to hear pages flip too, so we don't have to wait on phones. And He who loves and takes more pleasure in father or mother than in me is not worthy of me. Now, does that mean God's telling you not to love your mom and dad? No. But our passion for our family should be minuscule compared to our passion for our God. He said, he who loves and takes more pleasure in son or daughter. Everybody look straight ahead. Then in me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me, cleave steadfastly, conforming wholly to me, to my example in living, and if need be in dying also, is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his lower life loses it. The higher life, he who finds his lower life will lose it. The higher life. So he says, if you find your lower life, the things that are temporary, the things that are just here, that are here today, do you know how fast this, this world is? The word says it's like a vapor. It's a gone. We think 100 years is a long time, not in the scale of eternity. 
Amen. He said, he who finds his lower life will lose his higher life. Oh. And whoever loses his lower life on my account will find it the higher life. He's not telling us to not love this and not love that. And folks, let me tell you, he's not telling you to pick up a cross and get yourself crucified by man or anybody else. What he's saying is follow my example. Even if this example means you go to the very end of yourself. I don't know if you've ever, ever, ever been at the end of yourself, but that can be a scary place. Especially if you go there alone. But if you remember who's walking on the road with us. If we remember a burning, a fire, a burning heart that's on the inside. Going to the end of myself is not real hard. Why? Because I'm found in him. He is myself now. He is myself. So all I have to do to take up a cross is realize I'm walking in him. It's a burning it's a passion that has to happen. He says, hey, look, you, you become so focused on the things down here that you forget that I'm here. Now, he didn't say you didn't have him. He just said you're not worthy. Man, I don't know how many times I've had to say I'm not worthy of this. And he, he, he encourages me by saying it was never about you in the first place. <laughs> Amen. Go, if you will, to Psalms. I think we're going to 63. Oh, glory. Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh, God of my life. Now, this is what passion should look like. Burning hearts. Oh, God of my life, I am lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. You ever walk through a weary wilderness? You ever walk through a time in your life where it's just barren and it's dry and it's dusty and you don't know how you're going to get through it? You don't know how you're going to make it? I'm telling you, it's time to return back to that heart of passion where we are lovesick for Him. Even in the dry spot, even in the spot where I can't face it anymore because it hurts too bad, I have to go back to where I'm lovesick for Him again. Glory to God. He said, I thirst with deepest longings to love you more with cravings in my heart that can't be described. Such yearning grips my soul. My God. Confession time, you ready? I don't always feel like this. I know I'm not the only one. But this is my example of a burning heart to where he is everything. And I know things out here are terrible. I know things out here, they're not straight. Other things in my life may not be in place. But I have to remember that he and I are on the same road together. And because of that, he will speak a burning word into my heart. And I crave him. I long for him. See, the problem is when we know God loves us so much, we sometimes forget we need to love him back. Mm -hmm. there's not a whole lot I got to do because he loves me so much love is reciprocal go try that over here love is reciprocal if I'm going to love him if he's going to love me then I got to love him 
I got to love him with lovesick, yearning, groaning, cravings. He is everything. I can only imagine this is what they felt. They realized. Look at verse 2. I am energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary <laughs> to seek more of your power and to drink more of your glory. For you, for your tender mercies mean more to me than life itself. When does comes the time when I say he means more than life? He means more. I, 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 listen, Dee and I have had one of the most blessed lives you could ever imagine. I can't tell you the times. We went to, we went to Ramah together. Let me tell you, people say, don't y'all get tired of each other? Never. We went to Raymond together. We worked in the same place. We went to the same classes, well, till she started children's ministry. We went to the same classes, left there, went to the same job site, worked just a few desks away from each other. When I, when, when I became a teacher, she stayed home with the kids, and guess what? She started teaching once the kids were in school. Guess where she taught? The same place I taught. We still work together. There's a few years where we didn't work together in every day. Every day. I love her more than anything. But I don't love her more than God. And as much as I yearn for her, as much as I burn for her, you know, she's looking for work and I'm like, it's okay. Why? I like her when she's with me. I never get too busy to notice that she's not always by my side. But I don't, can't say that I never get so distracted that I forget Jesus is by my side. And all of a sudden, I don't have that passion anymore. And life's just hard. And life stinks. And I might as well just... Didn't my heart burn within me at the sound of his name? These cravings. Oh, he said, your tender mercies mean more to me than life itself. Daily, I will worship you passionately. Not just, I'm going to sing a good song. Passion. Like when you first met your person. <laughs> there was passion there. There was a spark. You could, Dee and I, when we first met, we would sit up all night long on the phone. Yes, for you all who just text, we talked on the phone. What did we talk about? It didn't matter, Brent. We would sit and watch stupid uh, uh, infomercials. You know where they sang all the music? We'd sing all the songs back and forth to each other. On the phone in the middle of the night. Why? Because there's a passion there. My goodness, folks, God is longing for his bride to love him the way that we've loved everything else in our life. He's waiting for a bride who will look at him with a twinkle in her eye and a smile on her face and says, this means more to me than anything else. Mm. I worship you passionately with all my heart. My arms will wave like banners of praise. 
I overflow with praise when I come before you. For the anointings of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. That's why that last song hit you so hard. If it didn't you, it should have. It did me. Because it should be beautiful. That presence, he says it's, it's, it's anything. I love verse 6 and 7. I lie awake each night thinking and reflecting on how you help me like a father. I sing through the night under your splendor shadow, offering to you the songs of delight and joy. Verse 8, with passion, I pursue and cling to you because I feel your grip on my life. I keep my soul close to your heart. That's an embrace. That's a hug. That's just wrapping up so close where our hearts finally sink up and I can't tell if it's his heart or my heart beating. Then I realize it's always been his heart. Uh, I realize it's always been his heart. So how do we do it? What keeps us from feeling this passion? Why does it seem that so many times I get to struggling with the other junk? Where did my passion go? So let's look at passion assassins. Passion assassins, you ready? The first one, worry. Worry will kill your passion faster than a bullet shot from a gun. So what is worry? Look at, this is a very cool definition of worry. It says to tease with care and anxiety. Worry is just you being teased with something you may be anxious about. It's not even the actual thing. It's what you have built in your mind of what could happen, what may happen. Well, if this, and so we try to put all the plans. If this happens and this happens and this, oh, now I'm really worried. You know what you're being done? You're being teased. The enemy is teasing you with your own thoughts. He's teasing you with your own mind. He's teasing you with your own worries and fears. And, and, and so to tease means to, te- I mean, to worry means to tease with care and anxiety. And we have to realize that we become so preoccupied by what might happen that we forget what passionate love that we just read about in Psalms looks like. And so we come into church or we come into home or we go to work and we just, what's the matter? I'm just worried. Well, why are you worried about? Might as well just say, I'm just being teased. <laughs> we jump onto our kids. Don't get mad when they tease you. They're just teasing. When are we going to worry that our worry, when are we going to figure out that our worries are just teases? Just teases. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Lord of God. So then forsake your worries. You know what that means? 
Joe, do you know what that means? I'll make it simple for you. Stop. <laughs> she said, thank you. I mean, stop. Stop worrying. Why? It's time to let passion take over. Let your passion take over. He says, forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For that is what unbelievers chase after. I don't believe they're chasing after what to drink and eat. I believe they're chasing after those words. Well, if I don't take care of myself, who is? Who's going to look out for me? If I don't look out for myself, nobody's going to do it for me. He said that's what unbelievers who don't realize that they have a, a connection to a father do. He says, when you realize you have a connection to the Father, when you understand that, you can sit back and all hell falls in around your ears and you're going. <laughs> well, what are you grinning about? I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that thing which I have committed to him against that. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid. I know my Father. I know in whom I have believed and I know my Father will take care of me. Lord our God. For what? That is what unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know the things your bodies require? But we have to tell Him anyhow. Hey, God, in case you forgot. I know you made me and formed me in the womb, but in case you forgot, I still need this. Amen? Verse 33. So above all, this is, this, look what you do. So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all these less important things. I love how the passion puts that. And all of these less important. What does it say? And it says he's more important than all the other. And all of these less important things. will be given to you abundantly. Amen. When our passion is focused in the right direction, he will then make sure we'll always walk in provision. But the focus of your passion will be the result of your provision. In other words, what you focus on passionately, you'll, you'll end up producing that in your life. Folks, you will have to realize your life it's like a camera. It will only produce what it's focused on. So where's your passion? What's taken over your mind? What's taken over your thoughts? What's taken over your heart? Uh, here, here's the hard part. Everybody say, this is hard. Verse 34. Refuse to worry. Hmm. Refuse to worry about anything. Brent's back there singing it. I know what he's singing. I sing it every day. You, you think I'm joking. I sing it every day. Every day. Because I'm, I'm still convinced Bobby McFerrin was a prophet. Don't worry. I see. You know it. Why? 
Why? Because that's how God wants me to live. If my passion is in the right place, that's my theme song. If my passion is in the right place, that is the song that goes before me. I don't worry. He said, refuse to worry about tomorrow. Deal with each challenge that comes your way. <laughs> One day at a time, sweet Jesus. What else he say? Tomorrow will take care of itself. The second assassin of passion. Just everybody just keep looking straight ahead. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will kill your passion. You know why? Because you focus on what you're ticked off about or who you're ticked off at. And all of a sudden, that becomes the biggest part of your life. And you forget he walks beside you the whole time saying, hey, why are you acting this way? Just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. We all know what unforgiveness is. It's just an unwillingness to forgive. And how many times have we held forgiveness in our own hearts and wonder where our passion for our God went? Man, it's quiet in here now. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. We all charismatic Pentecostal folks love this verse. Because we don't know what it's about. <laughs> and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God in whom you have been sealed unto the day of redemption. And we stop right there. We don't read the rest of it. We say, see, you can't grieve the Holy Spirit. So if somebody wants to run around and do flip-flops and you stop them, you're grieving the Holy Ghost. Or somebody speaking in tongues and you stop them, you're grieving the Holy Ghost. That scripture has nothing to do with grieving the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost don't care if you do flip-flops or not. Hey, if that's your expression of worship, do it. Keep everything tucked in and tied down, but do it. <laughs> I don't care about your expression of worship. And let me tell you, God doesn't care about your expression. He wants you to worship Him. And there's many, many ways of worshiping. But we got to read the next verse if you want to know what grieves the Holy Spirit. What grieves the Holy Spirit, Renee, is let all bitterness, wrath, anger, outbursts, and blasphemies with all malice be taken away from you. So what grieves the Holy Spirit? Bitterness. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Anger. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Outbursts, wrath. Look at verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender hearted. Here it is. Forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. And if I can't forgive Ted, for whatever offense he's brought to me. And I can't forgive him with the same way that Christ forgave me. Because I remember what I was like. 
I remember what I was like before I realized I didn't have to be this way anymore. And I am so thankful for forgiveness. But if I can't forgive him the same way God forgave me. You know, we always talk about the parable of the, of the prodigal son. And I've talked to a few people over the last week about this. We don't understand what really happened. When the prodigal son asked for his inheritance, inheritance comes when? He looked at his father and says, I wish you were dead. That's what he said. By asking for that inheritance, he was saying, I wish you were dead, just give me what's mine now. But the story of the father said, even though you didn't want me, I'm going to stand right here and watch for you every day. And when I see you finally come to your senses and come back to me, I'm going to run to you. I'm not even going to let you ask for forgiveness. I'm going to wrap you up. I'm going to put a ring on your finger. I'm going to put shoes on your feet. I'm going to put clothes on your back. We're going to party. We're going to have a good time because I was always your father whether you wanted me to be or not. So if I can't forgive like that, and I hold unforgiveness, then what am I doing to my passion with God? Because Ted now has taken the place of God. Because all my passion, my anger, my wrath, my everything is built up at head. Oh yeah, God's right there. And if I would just lift my eyes, but I would rather focus here and all of a sudden he becomes the object of my passion. And I wonder what happened to my God. Mm. So how to maintain it? We're going to get through this quick. How to maintain this kind of passion? And... I don't usually do 12 steps, 8 steps to something. But I believe the Word shows us ways to maintain our passion with God. Firstly, you need to have a daily prayer life. Well, I don't pray every day. That's like me telling Dee, I love you. I'm not going to talk to you for the next three months. But baby, no, I love you. It don't work that way. If Remember, go back to Psalm 63. He said, with yearning, desire, cravings, I passionately. See, this, and, and prayer is not, oh, heavenly Father. It's a conversation between you and God. It's just a conversation. You can even be an argumentative conversation. I've had a few of them with him too. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. I love how the passion puts it. It says, pray how? Passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer. So how does he want me to pray? With every form of prayer I can come up with. I'll pray in the spirit, I'll pray in English, I'll, I'll pray prayers of supplication, prayers of intercession, I'll pray prayers of, of request, I'll pray prayers of thanksgiving. With all forms of prayer, I am going to pray passionately. Oh, glory. He said, pray passionately in the spirit. 
and as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer, how often? At all times. Pray the blessings of God upon who? All his believers. We need to have a daily prayer life. Second thing I believe the word shows us that we need is we need a daily time of just drinking from the water of the word. There needs to come a time where we daily take the word in. Doesn't matter how it comes. This thing is bugging me to death today. I'm not that serious, folks. Y'all If we don't have a daily time of trying to put the word in us, that's like a skinny person trying to gain weight and never eating. Go to, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. The same way that nursing infants cry for milk of God's word, uh, uh, sorry, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word well I just don't believe that I need the word every day Greg it's not what scripture says scripture says something totally different come with me back it up please Bob let's read that again in the same way nursing infants cry for milk you must intensely Crave the pure milk of God's word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity. Fully nourished and strong for what? Life. Verse 3. Especially now that you have had a taste of the goodness of Yahweh and have experienced his kindness. So how to maintain this passion? Have a daily time of prayer. Have a daily time in God's Word. And I'm not talking you have to sit down for hours on end. But eat something. Hey, have you ever been so hungry that just a little bit did you over? Next time you feel spiritually hungry, try sitting down with your Word and just give it a little bit. Lastly, we need to have a time of personal worship. Now I want you to notice something. All three of these were taken straight out of Psalm 63. These are the very things he said that he did passionately, intently, craving, yearning, desiring. Psalms 95. A time of personal worship. <laughs> Again, I love the passion. Come on everyone. Let us sing for joy. To the Lord. Let us shout the loudest praises of our God who saved us. <laughs> every day, every day we should just be declaring this. We should be shouting this. He said, come on, let's praise him. Everyone, come meet his face with a thankful heart. Don't hold back your praises. Make him great by your shouts of joy. Amen. I ain't seen him tell me to cry yet.
For the Lord is the greatest of all king of all. King God over all other gods. In one hand, he holds the mysteries of the earth. And in the other, he holds the highest mountain peaks. He is the owner of every ocean, the engineer of, and sculptor of earth itself. Come and kneel before the creator God. Come and bow before the mighty God, the, ma the, ooh, the majestic worker. Oh, folks. If we'll just do it. All of a sudden, my issue with Ted doesn't matter anymore. Because he pales in comparison to the one who set my heart aburn. All of a sudden, the bills that pile up, they're not as big anymore. Because I realize I serve the engineer of the heavens and the earth. I serve the creator of everything. And all of a sudden, he becomes the object of my passion and not worry the object of my passion. I honestly believe this is what the disciples on the road to Emmaus felt. As they walked, and all of a sudden, Jesus just, poof. And they said, didn't our hearts burn? This changes everything. Changes it all. It takes us to a new place in him and in his presence is fullness of joy. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. Oh, my father, my father, my father, I glorify you. Help me to always remember your power and your presence in the day that I am tempted to focus on something else. Help me to always remember you and who you are, and I glorify you. And Father, today, throughout this whole place, <laughs> I look around at the whole place. Let your passion burn in them like never before. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.